You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. This is the Skate Podcast on WEEI.com. Bobby Orr, behind the net to Sanderson, For the first time in 39 years, the Boston Bruins have won the Stanley Cup. Talking Bruins and NHL. Sure, old-time hockey. Like any sure. With writer and producer Brian DeFelice. Brian DeFelice is an emerging talent. Bridget Prue. Yeah, he's a little bit on the hot seat. Burn him! And WEEI.com Bruins writer Scott McLaughlin. Oh, great Scott. Lace him up for some bees talk right now. I'm going to get a the Skate Pod on WEEI. Welcome into episode 91 of the Skate Podcast. I'm Brian DeFelice, joined by Bridget Pru and Scott McLaughlin. Um, Bruins got back on board with a, a 2-1 win over the Penguins. They had previously lost four of six and not looking too hot in the process. But right now I'm going to um, throw it over to Scott and just give us some personnel updates, some injury updates from practice this morning that Bruce Cassidy um, let the media know of. And uh, so, Scott, take it away. Yeah, so Bruce Cassidy told reporters that David Pasternak, Hampus Lindholm, Linus Elmark, and Jesper Froden will all not travel with the team on this week's road trip, which is only two games, Tuesday in St. Louis, Thursday in Pittsburgh. So all of them will miss at least two more games, which means uh, Pasternak will now be up to eight games missed, Lindholm seven, uh, Elmark will be this will be three in a row that he hasn't played. Uh, Froden got, apparently suffered a lower body injury late in Saturday's game. He had, you know, come up, gotten called up, played two games on the second line, uh, had scored a goal on Thursday. So he's gone now. Curtis Lazar will be the latest to move into Pasternak's spot. We've seen Mark McLaughlin there. We saw Froden there. Now it's going to be Lazar with McLaughlin bumping over to Fourth line right wing with no set coming back in the lineup. Um, Cassidy did say that he expects Pasenak, Lindholm, and Allmark all back next week, the final week of the regular season. So back ahead of the playoffs, um, possibly by this weekend. They have two games Saturday and Sunday. So that would, you know, especially for Allmark, it would be good if he could play one of those games because then you don't. Don't have to play Swayman back to back, and you don't have to play Troy Groznik, who you know hopefully does not factor into your plans on the playoffs. Um, so yeah, so that's that's pretty much the the latest. At least two more games for all those guys, and you know see where they're at come the weekend. If they come back, say they are able to come back on the weekend. If they come for the home game against the Rangers, that would mean there's only five games left in the season when they get back. If they don't until the Montreal game, which 
then that's four. And if they don't come back until um, the home game at Florida, then that leaves only three games to, to get them action in before the end of the season. Yeah. And that final regular season game, that could easily be like a rest game for just about everyone notable. You know, we remember last year, the final regular season game in Washington, they basically left the entire varsity team home. I could easily see that being the same kind of thing where it's the second night of a back-to-back anyways, it's a Canada trip. So there's that added risk of, you know, if someone were to test positive up there, there's a quarantine and you don't want to deal with any of that. So unless there's like a clear something on the line seating wise that they care about, I could easily see that last regular season game being a complete wash. So now you're really talking about starting Saturday with the Rangers, you know, four real games. So if the, if the Bruins get some guys back and they get some games in before the end of the season and the team starts to look like they're, they're hitting their stride again, then I have no issue with them dressing a Providence-type lineup for that last game. Where it becomes a tough decision is if, you know, the team is, they're getting stragglers back one at a time from the injury list, and at the same time their game isn't fully revved up, you know, and then you, and then you, and then you, you sit everybody at the last game of the season going into game one when your game's not where it needs to be. Um, that's a risky move. So I guess it really just depends on on if the Bruins are able to find their game. And like you mentioned with them playing in Canada a few games and trying to maybe be smart about who they bring up there and guys at least missing the next two games like Lindholm and Pasternak. Like Bridget said and like you said, Scott, it's a very, very small window between now and then the very last game of the year if you wanted to scratch some people, healthy scratch some people. So it's a lot of pressure to get to find your game in, in, in about a three-game stretch maybe, um, probably sometime next week. So I guess what's your guys' confidence that they can do that? Uh, so I guess I would say Pasternak I'd feel okay. Like, yes, there's timing stuff there. We've seen him come back from injury before and you know take a little while to like, find his shot as one-time or whatever. But also, I think when we're thinking about that, you think about last year, and that was coming off a really major long-term surgery. This is not that long of an absence. So I could see Pasenak finding his game in two or three games. You know, maybe the power play finding its chemistry again, that might depend on how many power plays they get in those two or three games. But I I feel okay about Pasenak. Assuming he's actually healthy and and he's able to actually heal and this isn't like a lingering injury that he's going to have to play through all playoffs. We just, we don't really know enough about it to know if like, okay, when he's back, it's because he's healthy and he's healed or it's lingering, but now he just feels good enough to play again. Um, Lindholm, I think I'd feel okay if it's, all right, he's just going to get a couple more games with Charlie McAvoy, who he already had almost instantaneous chemistry with, and we're just going to roll with that. I think that's fine. You know, Cassidy had talked about wanting to play him with Brandon Carlo a little bit too. I think that's probably out the window at this point. Now it's just get him back, put him with McAvoy, let them 
you know, find that chemistry again, get a couple games under their belts. Should be okay there as well. Like, yeah, you want him to have, you know, more time in the system and all that, but he seems to pick it up pretty quickly. I mean, it's not like he struggled when in the seven games that he played. Uh, and Allmark, Allmark's the toughest because he was in the middle of such a great stretch. And you wonder, even the even the first period when he played through um, his yeah. upper body injury, yep. he still looked good. So yeah, I, I agree absolutely. Allmark is the most important to get back because you see how it affects goalies differently when they have a little bit of time um, off, and there's just a for, for some reason with goaltenders, you see more that it's nothing compares to you know real in-game action. You can practice for whatever, but for goalies, it seems like they have to get hot in-game and and. Uh, be tested that way. So I agree. Olmark's the one you, I'm not saying rush back, but he's the one you will, you absolutely, you know, you're, you're, if you wouldn't be tempted to say, oh, we'll just let Playman Swayman play the last two games back to back. You'd be like, no, let's, let's get Olmark in one of those and just, because remember, right before Olmark got hurt, we were all talking about, and Andrew Raycroft said it, and I think Gresham Keefe, as well, that now Allmark is looking like the the number one guy going into the playoffs. Well, once again, we've gone back and forth throughout the year because different stuff comes up. And here's another thing that comes up where you go, okay, well, what if Swayman, this situation could mean that Swayman ends up being ready and Allmark's not ready and you just don't want to risk it. And it just changes the the conversation if Allmark doesn't get in before the end of the season. Um, you 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 have you're in a tougher situation deciding who to start because you like you don't know what Allmark's going to be like the first game back. Yeah, well, I I think I think in that situation you would go with Swayman. Um, I don't think you would it, depending on if Allmark comes back or not. Um, I, I don't think you, you you put him into a playoff game right away. And, and you know the good thing is that Swayman at least this can force Swayman into trying to find his game. Right, he was obviously struggling a little bit before. Um, Omar went down, so maybe this could be a good thing for Swayman. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I, yeah, uh, Scott, you were—I don't know if you were finished with your thoughts, so I'm going to throw it back to you. But no, yeah, I think I think I was pretty much done. Um, but yeah, I mean, on Swayman, yeah, look, he, you know, he gets thrown right into the fire against Ottawa, and they give up three goals that first period. He comes in in relief for Omar. But a, b- a huge part of that is that the Bruins gave the Senators four power plays in the period, including an extended five on three. Two of those goals were power play goals. So, you know, they didn't help him out at all. Third period, he was a lot better and gave the Bruins a chance to come back. Obviously, they didn't. They end up losing the game, but he kept them in it. And then Saturday, he had a really good game against Pittsburgh. Didn't face a ton of shots, 24 shots but had to make some quality saves, stop Jake Gensel on, on, you know, a partial breakaway uh, where he gets in behind the defense and, you know, just looked better all night. He was just square to shots, wasn't giving up, juicy rebounds, came out and played a couple pucks. Like all the stuff that had seemed, you know, kind of jittery over like this, this the previous month where he was struggling and just didn't really seem in control at times. He, he looked better on Saturday. So, you know, it's a game and a period so far. He's probably going to get two more starts this week. I, you know, would imagine he's starting Tuesday and Thursday. I don't think they have any plans to give Troy Groznick a game. So, you know, this will be a good run for him. 
against good teams, St. Louis and then Pittsburgh again, uh, to, to really get a good idea of where Swayman's at. If he comes out of this looking good, then I think it's safe to say that he's back and he's put those struggles behind him. Uh, if he struggles these two games, then then you're probably back to, to hoping that Omar can get a couple games next week and, you know, kind of reclaim the spot as the number one. So I want to I want to uh, just kind of jump gears real quick. Um, you know, injuries aside, health aside, I want to get you guys' opinions on what what your biggest concern is with the Bruins game right now, heading down to the uh, the final stretch here. For me, I know it's special teams. I don't know if you guys um, something jumps out in the game that's kind of they really need to address um, before before the puck drops in uh, May second or third, whatever it ends up being. Well, yeah, I mean, we can get into. Special teams for sure have been a concern recently. For me, the, the the biggest one right now would be what we were just talking about is goaltending. Like I need, you know, with Allmark hurt and Swayman coming off a tough stretch, one good game from Swayman doesn't have me feeling totally better about all that. Like I, I will feel a lot better if we get to the end of this week and say Swayman has strung to get together three really good starts. Um, if he doesn't, then it becomes then it, then that's a huge question mark. Then you're one of these teams going into the playoffs with goaltending as a question mark because it means you would need all Mark to come back next week and play well, it, or you need you know Swayman to somehow turn around in just one week. But um, you know we we were it, it had become a bit of a question mark with Swayman struggling. Fortunately, all Mark had picked him up, and then all Mark gets hurt. So I need to see you know more than one game like we did from Swayman on Saturday before I feel comfortable about that situation again. Yeah. And I think the best case scenario for goaltending is that Swayman just steals the job again. Like he, he just takes the opportunity, uh, realizes what a situation is and how he has a, a shot to be the starter in the playoffs. If he, you know, plays these last few games, well, best case scenario, he, he steps up to the occasion wins the job, you go into the playoffs thinking, all right, well, Swayman's back to form like he was in February, and that's just – that's taken care of. But, Brian, uh, your concern about special teams is – I mean, it's it's looking you right in the face. I feel like every – I wrote a story about it this week. It's been seven games since the Bruins have scored a power play goal. Uh, it's just been so long, and – you sense the frustration, the more and more it, you know, it just adds on, you know, over 20 something now. Um, and it, the solution, <laughs> they haven't been able to find a solution on their team. Uh, they've trying to replace Pasternak. So maybe the solution is just hopefully when he gets back uh, and hopefully he gets back sooner rather than later, that that just solves the problems, which you can tell that the power play just doesn't look the same without him there as a weapon. So I'm guessing Bruins fans and and even coach probably is just like, all right, we're just going to plug pasta back in and that's going to solve all of our problems. Do you guys think that there's something missing further than that? Or is it really just Pasternak would solve the issue. I think I think there's more to it than than Pasternak. I think uh, and and you you alluded to the, your article. I think you wrote down uh, on Twitter or something like they've also been struggling before Pasternak went down. So if they're over the last 27, I think I think they were at least over five or six with Pasta before um, in the you know the front half of that over 27. And the thing if you're waiting for for somebody to come back from a you know eight to ten games off, 
to just come back and, and ignite the power play. Like, yeah, obviously one one-timer from him can change it. But at the same time, um, I'm not. I'm really not liking their zone entries at all on the power play. Um, it seems as though if if the if the visiting team, uh, their opponent, I should say, wins a faceoff and ices it, well, you know, you might as well chalk off a minute and thirty seconds off their power play because the Bruins just first of all they don't really come uh, through the neutral zone with a ton of speed, um, and you know they're they're doing these these lateral dump offs at the blue line, and it's like at that point like. Either remember remember last year when Taylor Hall came in and and Scott used to call him an automatic zone entry, and he was it wasn't Scott wasn't off with that. Taylor Hall struggling with zone entries. Charlie Coyle struggling with zone entries. Charlie McAvoy is struggling with zone entries. You're not looking at Bergeron to do zone entries. There's only a handful of guys you're looking to do it, and I just feel like they're a little too stagnant and they're they're a little too bunched up along the blue line together and if you if you're the the puck carrier and and you cross you cross the red line uh the center ice red line look at that point either take it yourself right and then, and then you know maybe pull up and find that trailer or or just get get it deep whether it's a high lob or hard rim you know that's up to the players to decide but to do these these little um half ass backhand you know saucer passes laterally it's like 5 feet in front of you that just gets stuck between your your teammate and then their defenseman it's not helping anybody. Um, and then, you know, once they get into the offensive zone, like Scott and I and, and you, Bridget, mentioned a few weeks ago, like there's obviously a, a lack of movement in, in pucks to the net. But I just think there's way too much pressure on on the Bruins at even strength right now. And I know they're injured, so it's not their full complement of players, not even close. But in the playoffs, assuming they are healthy, if your special teams is not clicking, um, that's way too much to ask for you at five on five in, in those types of games. So that's why, to me, I hear what Scott's saying with the goaltending. It's certainly a concern, but I would. That's why, to me, special teams is is number one on my list right now, and and, and I'm really concerned about it because I don't think there's a ton of time, personnel wise and schedule wise, to kind of address it until you get into the playoffs. Um, and for those first few games, uh, actually up until last, up until the Pittsburgh game, the Bruins hadn't won a game in regulation um, in, in any of those games that we mentioned in the, in the drought. So um, a majority of the games in the drought now, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, five or six games um, that were either a loss or it took overtime uh, to get the win. So uh, it, clearly you can see that it's affected um, their points in the standings as well. And that's why it took so long for the Bruins to end up clinching that playoff spot. Right. And um, as of right now, all the teams are um, clinched by the way, since the last time uh, the Bruins weren't clinched and now the Bruins in Washington um, are both clinched. So we already knew what the standings are going to be for a long time, but now it's official. Um, But yeah, so you see the points just not going up in the standings. It coinciding with the fact that there hasn't been any points on the power play. Yeah, I think, I guess I'm like, I'm not panicking as much about the power play. Um, just because I think if you take any team in the league and take their biggest power play weapon away, not saying they're going to go 0 for 25, obviously, but anyone's going to struggle. They're all going to look worse. And it, it just throws off so much because it's not, they don't have anyone else who can do what Pasadena does on the power play. They don't have another one-time weapon that they can set up over there and get that look. It, ha- it has to be, you know, then it changes to 
Taylor Taylor Hall on his strong side half wall, uh, which then means you have to find someone else for the front of the net because that's where Hall has usually been on the top unit. Um, one of the more telling things to me, I guess, when it comes to the power play is that uh, we saw some of them last game where Grizzly took over on the top unit in place of McAvoy, which tells me that, you know, Cassidy is at least a little concerned or not happy with something McAvoy's doing. And, you know, I think maybe part of that is like just the, we've talked before about, you know, how they haven't been quick enough moving, moving the puck, even when they do get set up. And I feel like that's maybe one area where McAvoy struggled a little bit, where it's been a little, a little too stationary at times where it's, okay, like he'll be the guy at the center point who can get the puck and settle it and then, you know, look around, survey what's there. But it's not it's not like constant fast movement. So maybe, maybe that's part of trying Grizzly there. Maybe, you know, it's to see if Grizzly can be better on entries. Um, but I found that part interesting. I would imagine that'll go back to McAvoy at some point here. Um, probably pretty soon, especially when Pasanar comes back because McAvoy has generally been pretty good about setting Pasanar up with those one-time passes. So, and that's easier for a right-hander to do than a left-hander. So that would make sense for McAvoy to eventually get back on there. Um, but I just think Pasanar's absence forces so many things to change. And, you know, so I was just looking this up and, yeah, so right before he got hurt, they had an over five game, which counts as part of this stretch. Which was the game that he got hurt in. Yeah, but before that, they had they had scored a power play goal in four straight games, and we're on a, a nine for thirty six stretch, which is twenty five percent. So, I'm not totally freaking out now. I would like to see again, Pasanak come back for a few games, and you know get five, seven, ten power plays to sort through some stuff um, and, you know, hopefully score a couple and that gets them going. Um, but unless unless this really stretches on to the point where Pasenak isn't back early next week or he returns and it still looks bad, then I'm I'm not panicking too much about it. Well, I have a question for both of you guys. It just, in the absence of Pasenak on the power play, it... It occurs to me, like, every time I see what they're trying to do on the power play without him, that, first of all, Pashnok has the most power play goals, but Bergeron has the second most power play goals. And it just, the most dangerous chances, we know we haven't, they haven't scored, but the most dangerous chances they're still getting are coming from the bumper spot when they get Bergeron the puck. And don't you think that they should just be, like, what I'd be doing is just in practice, just working on, on the power play and how ever like you can move the puck and, and cycle the puck where you open up a lane for Bergeron to get that kind of a shot. Cause that looks like their best weapon at this point in the power play where they've been trying all sorts of stuff, but it, I think Bergeron could be the guy that you want to get the puck to, to break, to break that drought. Well, with Pasternak, Oh, that is that's their main weapon, so teams are keying on it. So that's why it can't happen. But uh, and I'll, I'll address a solution to what you're saying in a second. Just to clarify, um, like I 200 percent like acknowledge 
that the power play is struggling mainly because they're missing Pasternak. My concern isn't with their recent struggles because I know why it's struggling. My concern is can they get it ramped up when he comes back and if he'll be back enough in, t- uh, in, in enough yeah. time. That, that's that's my concern. It's not so much the past, it's, it's looking forward. Um, because obviously Pasternak is, you know, he's if he's in the lineup the last 10 games, you're not going over 27. It's just not happening. Um, <clears throat> to, uh, Bridget, to your point, Actually, before that, Scott, on the McAvoy thing, um, one thing I, I, I see with McAvoy, and I think it's probably one of the reasons Cassidy is is a little bit um, annoyed with him, is because he, I, in my opinion, he's he's diverting way too much to the elbow. Like he he's he's electing, he's trying to go to the elbow right away, whether it's Marshan on one side or. Who's been, who's been on Pashnak side? I can't. Even, it's been a it's, it's been a lot of haul. Yeah. Okay. So it's been a carousel. But regardless, what I want McAvoy to do is he needs to. He's such a powerful skater. Like he needs to just dominate that blue line laterally on that power play and not and not focus so much on getting it to Marshand or Hall or, or Pashnak, whoever. <clears throat> he needs to. He needs to set the tone up there, and he needs to. He needs to get shots through from the middle. And when he does that, then those elbow options will open up later in the power play. And, you know, somebody who is really, really good at getting getting a shot through, it was Tori Krug. Sometimes it's, it's, not, it's not like McAvoy has to straddle the whole blue line to get a shot through to change his angle. Sometimes all it is is a little side shuffle, like a little outside edge cup to the you – know, like just get the, get the penalty killer off their angle a second and just – get it quickly to the net. Tory Krug did that very well. You know, Eric Carlson, when he was in his prime, did that extremely well. Uh, a John Klinberg, like, guys like that, like, they just know how to adjust the angle ever so slightly, and just they just get it to the net. And whereas McAvoy, I feel like, in his mind, he needs to totally lose an approaching penalty killer and then get his shot through. So I want, I want to see him get his shot through early, and then, and preferably from the middle, and then obviously those elbows will open up. As far as the Bergeron thing goes, do you guys remember when uh, the Bruins had that power play unit of like uh, Soderberg and Riley Smith and like Louis Erickson, like back in like fourteen, and they always had that backdoor play where Soderberg would find Riley yep. Smith coming in the back door. I want to. I don't see enough creativity from the Bruins around the net. Like when they get when when they're on a the power play in their own zone, they get the puck on the perimeter. They're kind of on their heels. They're waiting for things to happen. I want to see the Bruins attack from that. Watch, watch other teams, especially playoff teams. If they want to face off in the offensive zone in the power play, that defenseman, that winger, whomever, they're they're attacking the penalty killers. They're attacking the box. They're getting them on their heels. And so I want to see the Bruins attack the net more. Um, because if you're relying, if you're trying to find Bergeron to get open solely, and you have no passion in the lineup, well then you might as well just sit on your knees for two minutes because nothing's gonna <laughs> nothing's gonna happen. Yeah. What? What? Or watch. Uh highlights or or in the Bruins case lowlights of that Islanders series last year exactly where the, the Islanders had like a poor power play all season they get into that Bruins series and they just start whipping pucks around the front of the net and score like four power play goals off skates and sticks and it's like I don't know not the worst idea for the Bruins to try that right now you're you know you're not scoring anyway so you might as well just try to get something ugly yeah, they're looking for these tic tac these these yeah. they're looking for these tic tac plays that they're drawing up in practice, and it's like, guys, like life is not that calculated. Like it's just it's you need to be organized, but it's organized chaos. You need to be able to 
perform at. It's it, yeah. what you're what you're doing in practice isn't going to happen in the game because the penalty killers in practice are catering to you know what you're doing. Like the, it's it's just not they're, they're trying to be too cute, too fine. To, uh, to your point about just throwing pucks at the net, how how did the Bruins score both their goals against Pittsburgh? Uh, you know, Hala throws a puck in front, goes off defenseman skate, goes in the net. Freddie right in front of the net, just gets a puck, shoots it in. Like, just throwing it there is the reason why the Bruins beat Pittsburgh. Um, so yep. so that just kind of proves your point. Yeah, it's, or it's even, like, the goal last week where Felino spins and fires to the front and McLaughlin sticks right there. Like, yep. yeah. Yep, exactly. Um, are you guys seeing anything on the penalty kill that, that – um, you want them to rectify, or is it just kind of a matter of just a sloppy lineup in general? Um, I thought they looked better uh, Saturday against Pittsburgh. Uh, now, part of that is that Pittsburgh's power play is also missing Evgeny Malkin. Um, but, yeah, I mean, they gave up the two against Ottawa. I don't know. Like, nothing jumps out to me as, like, super concerning about it. Um at least that I've noticed, but maybe I just haven't really been uh, breaking it down closely enough. But it doesn't it doesn't seem like like a major structural breakdown. I think there's been some issues with not clearing pucks again. That's mm-hmm. cropped up a few times, especially when they've had struggles on the PK. Um, I think it was that Ottawa game on one of those where they had like two chances to clear just before one of the goals and couldn't someone like partially whiffed on one and another i think might have been no no second lazar one of them was trying to pass to the other one and instead of just clearing it down the ice and the pass got picked off like mm-hmm. that kind of stuff it's like it should be a relatively easy fix to just say look you get on your stick just fire down the rank like don't overthink this don't try to make a short pass don't try to get a rush going just clear it yeah, there's been some times where it's gotten a bit unlucky where, you know, nine out of 10 times the clear gets made. But uh, one of the goals, I think it was against Ottawa or from Ottawa was they tried to clear it and the defenseman just puts his stick up exactly at the line, like somehow keeps it in in the zone, bats it out of the air, keeps it in. So that's one that gets cleared most of the time. I've noticed that a few times as well. Just puck just hits uh, someone on the way out and it, ends up staying in the zone. But I, I agree. Uh just just finish up the point on the penalty kill. It not it's definitely not up there in the highest uh of concerns. No. And and I think I think, you know, the Bruins may or may not, but I think I think may want, you know, Hampus Lindholm in a perfect world to 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 play a role on that PK as well going forward. Um so you know he's he's not his his body's not there in the lineup. Uh but I, I guess on the, you know, on the other hand, it's allowing somebody like Josh Brown to get some reps and you know learn the system. Um, so as we get down to the to the wire here, you know, it's starting to look. It's you know clearly things can still change, but to me, my gut's telling me that right now the conference is shaping up to look like um, Florida versus first versus uh, Washington, uh, Tampa versus Toronto. And then Pittsburgh is going to play either Carolina and the Rangers, and I think the Bruins are going to get the other one. So, if you're the Bruins, um, assuming you're healthy, like you know, what do you guys think? I'm sure you guys have kind of been looking at the standings as well and looking at that. Um, 
you know, does, does the Rangers or the, or the Hurricanes strike you as a better matchup for the Bruins one way or the other? Well, so the number one thing for me when it comes to the standings right now is just stay ahead of Washington. Bruins are three points ahead right now. So I'll answer the Carolina Rangers question in, in a second, but the number one team I want to avoid is the Florida Panthers, who have just been absolutely on fire. Ten-game winning streak. They've only lost once since Aaron Ekblad got hurt, and he might be back at some point during the first round anyways. Uh, Claude Giroux's averaging a point per game since he got there. Like They are right now clearly the hottest team in hockey, and I know some people will say, like, well, you know, their offensive wide-open style won't translate to the playoffs, and someone, you know, will find a way to slow them down, which, by the way, could be the Bruins, who are a good defensive team. But I would just prefer to not have to find out. I I don't want to face that team the way they're going. As yeah, for- get, just just to throw this in, give, I just gave a quick look to the Capitals' schedule the rest of the way. They have seven games left. They're hitting – five of them are road games. Uh, they're hitting a, a – not a West Coast road trip, but a out West road trip at Colorado uh, today at 9. And then at Vegas, then at Arizona, obviously that – Arizona game could most likely be a win for Washington. Then they have games at home against Toronto and the Islanders, and then a back-to-back to end the season at the Islanders and the Rangers. Uh, the Bruins probably have a tougher schedule, honestly. The Bruins, I mean, the Bruins have who? St. Louis, Pittsburgh, they- Rangers, Florida, Toronto. So I, I don't know if they have it any, any easier than the Bruins do the rest of the way. Um, by the way, Scott, um, you know, you bring up the Panthers, uh, you're, you're you're that confident in Florida, even though the Bruins would have a uh, seven-game home ice advantage. <laughs> True. <laughs> yeah, but I I mean, look, Florida's used to it. Like they yeah. haven't been playing in front of fans all year. It's like it's like when the Rays get into the playoffs. Like yeah, they haven't they don't know what a home crowd is, so you just get used <laughs> to it over the course of a season. Um, yeah, I mean, fair enough though. Like at the very least, it's not an intimidating vi- environment to go into no. <laughs> by any means. Um, yeah, as far as Carolina and the Rangers, uh, if Freddie Anderson's injury is going to linger into the playoffs, give me Carolina. I know that they crushed the Bruins all three meetings this season, but that was a while ago. The Bruins have been one of the hotter teams in the NHL in the second half. The Hurricanes have been under 500 since the trade deadline. They did not make any major moves. The, their biggest addition was Max Domi, who, as of late last week when I checked, had still not scored a goal for them. I don't know if he did over the weekend or not. Um, but, yeah, it's a team that has really been struggling. And now they lose Frederick Anderson. The update on Monday was that he's going to be reevaluated next week. So he's already out at least a week. Uh, Jordan Stahl also got hurt over the weekend. Don't know how serious that is, but he's a huge part of that team. So that's a team that's banged up and struggling. And, you know, yeah, they've had the Bruins number this season, but Bruins have two playoff series wins over them in recent years that they can fall back on. Um, The Rangers, I think the Bruins are a better team than the Rangers, but the Rangers have Igor Shesterkin. So, He's like he's the great great equalizer in this entire field. 
you know, the, I think the Rangers are probably the weakest team overall of the, them are the Capitals overall of the eight teams in the East. Certainly at five on five, the Rangers are not a very strong team. They do have a very good power play mm-hmm. um, that you would have to worry about. But yeah, I mean, you could you can outplay them, and Shostakin can still just steal the series. That would be one where you would really need whether it's Swayman, Allmark, or both to have a very good series because otherwise you could easily see any series the Rangers play against a team without really good goaltending, you could easily see like that team out shooting them 42 to 23, but Shostakin's, you know, making all the saves and then there's a back-breaking goal going back, you know, against the run of play. So you can't, if that were the matchup, you cannot have Swayman or Allmark giving up those kind of goals. So um, facing Shostarkin worries me a little bit. And I just feel like the, I don't know if the, we talk about, you know, can the Bruins get back on track before the playoffs? I don't know if the Hurricanes can. Like, I might actually rather take that matchup. Yeah, and it, so the Bruins and the Hurricanes are going through similar issues right now. They have a health issue with, a goaltender they have health issues uh you know they ha- they have uh they've only won four of their last 10 games um and they're right now that you know that's kind of right around where the bruins are they've won five of their last 10 games so they're they're kind of more in the same going through the same thing at the same time here at, at the end of the season so uh i think caroline i think we said this last week as well carolina is the better matchup than the rangers um especially considering like you mentioned the knew the the injury to Freddie Andres, Anderson and Stahl potentially um, dealing with something as well. So I think Carolina, Brian. Well, I think, um, uh, you know, I, I would love to see an original six playoff series. You know, I would much rather watch a series going back and forth between the um, Boston Garden and Madison Square Garden as opposed to, you know, the Bruins going down and having some Hardys and, um, you know, Popeyes and stuff down in Carolina. Um with a with a very obnoxious goal horn, um, but um, and I by think, the way, in in the playoffs, Carolina actually like that crowd is actually pretty intense. Not yeah. during the regular season, for yeah. the most part. I well, lived down there for two I, years. Well, I will say they have they have the last couple of years the fans have showed up. Unlike the Florida Panthers, the Carolina Hurricanes actually do yeah, get they, regular season fans. They have gotten more people to to come for regular season. But when I lived down there, I had plenty of friends who were like. Oh yeah, well it's the playoffs, so now we're gonna go. I was like, well, yeah. you could have gone for like twenty bucks at any point during the season, but yep. um, but definitely during like during the playoffs, that place is is loud. Yeah, it is, and you know, so like I, I was saying, I, I'd rather see from an entertainment standpoint, uh, Bruins Rangers, um, but I also think Gerard Gallant has a really good hold on his team right now, and he hasn't playing hard, and I think a lot of guys are having a career year, obviously in down in uh, New York, so like you know. That could be a bad thing for the Rangers too. Like if Chris Crowder, who's got 50 goals this year, like goes a couple of games in the playoffs without scoring a goal, like will he tighten up? So there's some concerns there too. But yeah, I'm with you guys. While I think, well, Rod Brindamore also has his team play hard, and I do think Carolina overall they have a bigger defense core, so maybe they're more structured. But I don't know. They're both good teams. They both present challenges. Um, but because of the reasons you guys said, um, health in net. And um, I also think Carolina peaked real, real early this year. I just think that, like, they kind of ran away with things and they've come back to the pack a bit. And I think, you know, the Rangers have 
are Timmy Panarin. They have Chris Kreider, who has 50 goals. They have Adam Fox. I just think they have Shesterkin. I just think that the Hurricanes kind of lack, like, that big-time star power. Like, Ajo's great. Um, Shveshnikov is great. But, yeah, I, I, I'm with you guys. I'd rather them see play Carolina, I think. And there's also that, you know, factor that they've beaten them twice. They've, they've, they've got they've, – they've outplayed them, what, eight games to one in the last yep. two playoff series. So there's those demons Carolina would have to get through and whatnot. So, yeah, give me Carolina if that's the case. But as Scott said – you got to make sure you keep Washington um, beneath you a little bit. And if the Bruins are – that could be a challenge, actually. You know, I kind of brought up this question, like it's more of a certainty it's going to be Carolina or Washington, or um, New York. But um, with the Bruins' health the way that it is and tough games against St. Louis, Pittsburgh, Rangers, um, Florida, Toronto. Florida, Toronto, if the Bruins are resting guys and they've already punched their ticket, you never know. Washington could – could catch the Bruins. Even games played a um, couple points back. So we'll see how it plays out. And, and, that, and that kind of situation determine, it determines how you treat that last back-to-back weekend because uh, if, and I assume they do, um, the Bruins management thinks it's that much of a, a of a disadvantage to have to go out and play Florida if if they're right neck and neck with the Capitals, you've got to play your guys. You, you know, you, you're not resting guys in that last weekend. You're not resting guys in that last game. If you really think you need to fight for that, for that spot to stay ahead of the Capitals. Yeah. And I also think it's not just the first round matchup, but the second round matchup, like if you're, if the Bruins finish eighth as the second wild card, then you're getting Florida, but you're also staying on the side of the bracket with Toronto and Tampa who, you know, are better certainly better than the second third place teams in the metro like that metro side just looks more favorable you're gonna get one of carolina or new york uh the other one of those teams faces pittsburgh a team that is really struggling right now has lost nine of 13 and has tristan jerry hurt now so they have their own question marks like i just think that's the easier side of the bracket to get on so yeah like you, you don't want to you're not going to force guys to play hard just to or you know not rest guys for that final game if they're banged up you know health is still the most important thing but i think trying to stay ahead of washington is also pretty important you know obviously they're never going to say like oh we don't want to face florida you know they'll say well fizz anyone but realistically, like if you can stay on that metro side of the bracket, that's where you want to be. You you want to hear some uh, to your to your point, Scott. I agree, I agree with you. You want to hear some some screwed up Brian logic for you. So I want the Bruins to finish in the wild card because I believe every dog has its day. Every blind squirrel finds a nut. I believe that no matter who Toronto plays in the first round. This is the year they advance past the first round. So I don't care if Toronto plays the Bruins or Tampa. I think Toronto is going to advance. I do. But if the Bruins play Toronto in the second round, then like I'd probably go Bruins. I just I'm so adamant. I think Toronto's going to find a way this year to get past the first round. I think their best chance to do so is against Tampa because I think they're going to be a bit um tired and fatigued. I think Toronto Toronto's kind of feeling it right now. Um but I also don't want to play Toronto right now. So that's kind of want the Bruins to stay in that wild card. Yeah, by the way, Brian, the saying isn't every blind squirrel finds a nut. It's sometimes 
according to coral finds and that. So, you know, it, it's not a guarantee they find that nut ever. So just, just keep that in mind. Some of them just starve to death. Some of them don't find it. <laughs> Maybe that's Toronto. <laughs> hey, look. Que sera, sera. <laughs> you, you knew what I meant. Um, yeah, on Toronto, I... It definitely ha- seems to have a little bit of a different feeling right now. But again, I can't shake the feeling that it's just going to make it all the more hilarious when they lose again. Like, that's all. La- the- yeah. Last year had a different feeling. Last year, everything was wide open for them. It was the perfect opportunity. You know, they were in the easiest division in hockey, and they still found a way to lose in the first round. Like, at a- but Austin Matthews has clearly elevated his game to another level this season. Uh, he's the MVP as far as I'm concerned. And that line is just dominant. I think, I think they have good defensemen, but I still don't, am not totally sold on like their defensive structure. They've had some games here recently where they, their goaltending is still a huge question mark, obviously, and has been all season is right now will be in the playoffs. Um, but some of these games recently, I think they've also just given up some really good chances against. Um, and that's the defense. Like, yeah, their goalie isn't picking them up, but their defense isn't there yet either. And by um, the way, they, they they rely on that offense to score so many goals. That's why they win is because the offense can just go off, but it they still end up giving up, you know, a lot as well. So it's definitely not necessarily a long-term winning uh formula to to just rely on having to score you know five goals a game in order to to win well and like just out of principle if it's toronto tampa i would have a hard time picking the team that doesn't have a number one goalie over the team that has andre vasilevsky and i know you know vasilevsky hasn't been quite as lights out recently not that like he's been bad but he you know Veselovsky is not in the Vezina conversation this year, and that's obviously pretty rare for him. Um, but I will still take him all day over what Toronto has, and I feel like that could still easily be the difference in that series. I would still have a very hard time picking against Tampa. I mean, I think that I, I think it would be a major upset if Toronto beat them because of those reasons. But I just think, like, I don't know. I, I think I think Matthews and Marner, like, I just think. I just think that when when Austin Matthews wants to be the best player in the world or best forward in the world, he can be. And I and I think like somebody like I could see somebody like Mike Mike like Michael Bunting just like being in Kucherov's grill all series and getting him up him, getting him frustrated. I can see whatever. Like obviously I like Tampa's D and goaltending way better than Toronto's, but um home ice would help Toronto. Um again, it'd be a seven game uh, seven seven game home game series for Toronto because their fans would travel down to Tampa. You know that. By the way, um, remember when the Bruins played played Tampa like a month or like two or three weeks ago, and um, all those Bruins fans were in the arena, which isn't out of the norm. But remember a couple of years ago, like the, the Lightning literally prohibited people from wearing an away jersey into their into their yeah uh, how. It's just hilarious. So like, oh, lame. Oh yeah, you guys have such a hardcore fan base. Oh yeah, eighteen thousand strong. Lightning fans, yeah, because you because you didn't let people in the building. Look what happens when you do. Yeah, that should be like an and like there should be an NHL like policy against that. That's just so ridiculous. Well, they probably like, they, they had to have done something right because yeah, somebody somebody came down on them for doing that. Didn't like didn't they kick a kid out 
put a Bruins jersey on. It's like, are you kidding me? I'm paid a, for the freaking tickets, and yeah. I'm pretty sure it's a free country can wear what you want. So yeah, no, that was that was so stupid. But mm-hmm. I, don't, I highly doubt anyone's getting away with that again. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting though because like I think even the NHL probably doesn't love the idea of like seeing all those road jerseys in a building, especially for a playoff game. Like, you know, I think you just got to live with it, but it's, it's not ideal because the NHL wants to sell this idea that, you know, that they've brought hockey to these markets and it's caught on and uh, you know, these, they have great fan bases now. Um, That narrative really goes out the window when you get to a playoff game and you see, you know, a bunch of black and gold in the first few rows. Um, you know, Florida, obviously, easily the worst. Like, at least you're right about Carolina. Like, Carolina can get a good crowd going from for the playoffs. Tampa, I think, can, like, at least fill that building with their own fans, for sure. But it, it some of these, like, even last year's playoff run, like, it, it sounds so quiet. And it's so much of it is like scripted, prompted responses. You know, the like, like throw the like, let's go bolts chant like up on the jumbotron type thing. And it's like, yeah, yeah, like it just feels like so sterile. Also, the, those two Florida teams are different as well because Florida, everybody knows Florida has a bunch of displaced people from other states that are just down there because it's warmer and they retired and they don't want to deal with like Toronto anymore or Boston anymore. So yeah, those state, Florida and Tampa Bay, both of those are going to have a higher percentage of, of out of town people because they live there now. Uh, and, but they still, you know, root for Boston or whomever from the North. Tampa, Tampa can stay where they are. Carolina can stay where they are. Um, I think the league would be such a better place if it was the Houston Coyotes and the Quebec city Panthers. I'm just saying could you imagine? Yeah, I agree. Could, could you imagine the Florida Panthers product right now in Quebec City? Could you imagine it? Oh, fine, they can go back to being the Nordiques if they want. But I'm just saying, bring the Panthers to Quebec, Barkov yep. and Huberto and Quebec City. Are you kidding me? Especially no, Huberto is a Quebec native. Oh my yeah. god! It's, and and Scott, can you explain to me like what the league's reluctance is with that? Like, like they would make they would sell out every game. The TV would would be ratings would be through the. So where would they lose money? In Quebec City. So they view it as there's not as much room for growth there because the NHL is still popular in Quebec City, even without a team there. And it's a small, relatively speaking, a small city. So, okay, you put a team there. Yes, you'll sell gear. Yes, everyone who lives there will buy it and watch the games. Scott will buy it. But because because it's not a big market, it's the overall sales don't match what you can get somewhere in a bigger city. The TV isn't going to match what you can get in a bigger U S market. Like that's why there would never be an expansion team in Canada because they want all that new money to be in bigger U S cities. Relocation can happen though. Like we, we saw that with, uh, with the, the new jets, we, you know, we've seen it with, like they they can well, move a team to Canada. They can, they can justify that. So I think you absolutely could see Quebec at some point. I just think it's not it's not the league's preference. Like they they would prefer to keep trying to make it work somewhere in a bigger U.S. market, whether that's Miami, where they 
I think misguidedly see potential or yeah that that's not a good idea the, or, the whole point would be to get out of Florida most like that would be step or number Fe- one Phoenix where I still think Phoenix could have I don't think it is working and I don't think it's going to work at this point but could have with better ownership in a better arena location like I think hockey can work there I think Arizona State is has very quickly become a popular college team there um but yeah, like they'll try Houston, which is a big market that doesn't have an NHL team and has supported it in an AHL team in the past. So they will they will exhaust US opportunities before they go to a Canadian market that in their mind is already uh, I don't know, saturated, I guess. Like they just don't they don't see a whole lot of new fans there. You know, everyone's already watching the NHL and buying stuff. But but like here's the, here's the thing though, and I hear what you're saying, but like the Panthers play in Sunrise, Florida, which is not even – it's not Miami. It's, it sucks, it's the area. Yeah. It's, it's, I guess it's, it would be like saying – it would be like the Bruins playing – You know what's like, like? It's like the Tampa Bay Rays who play in St. Petersburg. Yeah, and it's like, exactly. why don't people go to games? And it's like, because St. Petersburg is an hour drive in traffic exactly. from Tampa. Like, yep. it's stupid. Yep. At, like, you got to actually put it in the city where it's supposed to be. Exactly. It would, it would, it would be like the Bruins playing in, like in – like, Lowell, or maybe even north of. I that. was gonna say, like in in like Worcester or like yeah. Western Mass. And furthermore, even if the Panthers did play in downtown Miami, well, so does the Marlins, so do the Dolphins, and those are those domestically are far more. Well, I don't know about baseball, but yeah, it is. Football and baseball are clearly are domestically pop, more popular sports. Football certainly, and they can't even sell out those teams. So it's like, meanwhile, like. The Panthers, like their average attendance, is probably ten thousand people a game, at, maybe even less. It's like in in Quebec, you would sell out seventeen plus thousand seats every single night. So like, there's the like, there's the money. Like, I don't understand. I I get it. You might not have as many people, but like, okay, you're not you're selling out every game. Like, so that's what that's the name of the game is to sell out your tickets first and foremost. Like, what's the gate? Well, um, I, I would say, well, I would actually say TV's there. The NHL, their number one concern is TV. Okay. And then ticket sales, I would say. Huh. Well, it's either way, it's like, I don't know. I mean, whatever. Um, I don't know how we got on that topic. That's probably my bad, 100% my bad, I would imagine, somehow. Uh, did you guys have anything else? That replaces the fashion segment this week. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Not much to say on that front right now. No, I think you commented on some someone's jersey this there was a jersey that was like the montreal canadians jersey that was light blue oh yeah that's, oh, yeah. that's what pete was talking about last uh, when we had him on the expos yeah yeah, yeah and i saw brian uh yep. commented on it that he's sick. all for it so sick jersey sick jersey um yeah i also ironically i also commented on the uh somebody posted the old florida panthers uniforms <laughs> and i said you should go back to those but I, I, they should as they're long so as they're much better than what they have now as long as they're in sunrise they should wear those jerseys um but yeah I, I, scott i know you i think you have to go soon so i'm all set if you guys are all set anything else all good yeah yeah all right well thanks for listening and uh so how the, they play i'm looking at the schedule right now they have St. Louis tomorrow, Pittsburgh. So maybe we'll maybe we'll uh, talk after the Canadians game, right? Yeah, that makes sense. Set it up with three games left in the regular season. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Perfect. All right. Well, thanks for listening to uh, episode ninety-one, and we will talk to you guys next week.